Hello and welcome to the new season of Your Voice Matters podcast. The topic of this fifth season is Voice Your Value. If you want a leader, a business owner, an expert or an entrepreneur, this season is for you. We are going to cover the importance of voicing your value in different contexts, such as in-person events, online meetings, presentations, social media, job interviews, networking, and even negotiations. I'm going to interview different entrepreneurs, experts, and coaches to give you new perspectives and insights on how to communicate with more clarity, confidence, credibility, both in your professional and personal life. I hope you enjoy the podcast and stay tuned for new ways to truly voice your value. Hi, today I have a very special guest, Neil Urquhart. He's a leadership team facilitator, communication skills trainer, salary negotiation and career interview coach since the, the year 2000, so more than 20 years of experience. He lived and worked in five continents. Normally, he works with board of directors, C-level executives, senior, middle and junior managers and ambitious employees. One curiosity, he is a fourth degree black belt in Aikido, a, a Japanese martial art, which I find fascinating. Today, we are going to talk about how to voice your value in negotiations. Welcome, Neil. Thank you. Nice to see you again. Yes. Uh, actually, we met um, how many years ago? Maybe five yes. years before pandemic. Before. In Porto, or was it before Porto? The year, was, to some. It, it, yes, it was in an online conference where uh, we are talking about some tools for um, for coaches, and it was about embodiment uh, for for coaches. And I remember back then how your um, lesson or your your uh, model really impacted me, and you you talked a lot about. Um, you know, negotiations and the money concepts. And for me, it was really game-changing having you as my facilitator. So that's why I brought you to this podcast. And so you can share some of your perspectives and tips and strategies for us to be able to deal better with money and salary negotiations and so on. So I'm very looking forward to have this chat with you. Me too. Uh, so I uh, understand that you have... Uh, many years of experience and you have uh, different subjects that you can work as a coach, but what is exactly your specialty? Hmm. That's a very difficult question. I'd like to say I'm a deep generalist and I help people um, make change at work or to go through change at work. So it could be that they are um, they need to pass an interview, they need to negotiate the salary, they need to um, improve their communication skills so i lead seminars and workshops on negotiations presentations and many other communication topics mm -hmm. and especially when someone is um aiming for a high paying position or in a career transition um you help people to make that leap when they want to you know achieve something bigger in their career and their life um what are exactly the you know some examples of this? Well, for example, somebody who's going from senior management to board level, 
um, it's a it's a leap, right? So they mm-hmm. might they're rewarded for different skills they are at senior management level than they are at board level, and often there's a there's a leap in salary as well, which can be quite scary for people to think about their value. And uh, most of the people that I work, most of my clients are women, and um, women are often taught to be. Uh, nice and kind and not not really to to voice their value so mm-hmm. it, sometimes they need uh, help in understanding that it's not just it, it's it's uh, not just their uh, the company who's, who's bringing something for them but they are bringing something to the company and so some of the work is around understanding the company is is, is gaining a lot from that person and then that that helps in deciding a little bit. One thing um, in terms of deciding the, sa- the salary. There, of course, there are lots of other indicators. But there's, um, I think, one of the things is that the companies try to basically they're trying to get the person for as little as possible. Um, so they, mm-hmm. and very often, women will accept. This is what this is what research has shown us from Harvard University that women will tend to accept. The first offer more often, so they'll the company will say, "Hey, we'll pay you ninety thousand or eighty thousand pounds or euros," and then most often women will say, "Oh, thanks very much," and they won't they won't negotiate it because they're so grateful to be offered the job. Um, and they and, should. And they should. Men, men, of course, some some men, of course, still also accept the first offer because they're worried um, and scared. But if, if at the time the offer is being made, you're being made a salary offer, um, you're being offered the job, then the company's already regards you as the as the prime candidate. They they really they want you then. So you're in you're in the driving seat. Now it doesn't mean you can't get anything that you want, but there's still mm-hmm. large scope for negotiation. And um some one one person I, I read, he talked about um, it being a thousand dollar a minute conversation. And it really is true that this conversation that you're having at that moment could could earn you thousands of extra euros or, or pounds. Um, and also that is multiplied exponentially because of the years that you're going to be working for the company. So if you've got 3,000 more than you were initially offered, then that equates to 9,000 pounds or 9,000 euros in three years. And it equates to 15,000 in uh, in five years so it, it's uh, it's a it's a very important conversation to get right and people so often do it bad companies have learned to pr- protect themselves by trying to find out people's salary expectations and do all kind of tricksy things beforehand and you need to be aware even before even when you're applying of things that you can do to sabotage yourself hmm. tell, tell me more about it the ways we sabotage ourselves <laughs> Uh, well, in this kind of conversations, it, it was so interesting to say this is a thousand uh, euros pounds uh, hour conversation, because what's at stake is that you know what you are leaving on the table. Absolutely. And we don't prepare uh, as much as we can for these kind of conversations, or we are scared to touch on the subject. You also also mentioned the the, the gender differences regarding money, and this is cultural for sure that it's not polite to ask it's not polite to talk about that and you are grateful for the first offer uh, but it doesn't have to be that way but let's go back to the sabotage or uh, how 
how does this happen normally? Example, what do you see in your clients? The, the, what the, the company will ask in the application process, what are your salary expectations? And you should really try to avoid answering this question as much as possible because that will basically set the limit that you're going to be able to earn the company or muscle menos, more or less. It will will conframe the discussions. It can anchor the discussions where really you need to be able to get into the room to have a conversation with people and then delay the, the conversation about the salary until they want you um they they really want to employ you because that's that's the time to have the salary conversation when they're already interested at them at early on if you if you put too little or too much they could eliminate you um without even knowing you um in depth Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's you you need to avoid talking about that as, as long as possible. Then there's some research that you need to do um, in terms of what's what's going on in the marketplace. But then also, what's your individual value to the organization? So sometimes some people are. Um, I, I've worked with some IT professionals, for example, and they're the only person, or there's very few people in the world who can do what they do because it's a legacy system um, which needs to keep operating for another five or ten years. And there's there's no one. Mm-hmm. In it anymore, and they they know the system very well. So they've really got their company um, over a barrel. Um, so they can they can negotiate much harder in that in those circumstances and and get more um, than they than maybe the company is offering them currently. So what are our uh, I would say a very strong word weapons <laughs> in negotiation is you know how rare are your skills how experienced you are what are the key points that can really bring us uh, leverage in a negotiation selling so yes exactly that so your your knowledge your skills how long you've been doing something um, how unique what you do is you know so how how many people can do what you do? Are, are you easily replaceable? You know, is it somebody who's doing a very uh, easy easy job, or there's lots of people with this type of, of skills, or are you quite are you quite rare, um, or what you do is quite rare? So that that can that can affect the value as well. Um, you need to yeah, you need to you need to consider a lot of factors, qualifications, etc. What's the um, what's the market rate? Finding out what are the the ranges of uh, of salary in on the market at the moment, and then you can add qualifiers. So your ex- more experience or less experience will reduce, mm-hmm. put it towards the lower end or the higher end. Mm-hmm. So there's a range where you can work on according to also this the those variables um, in your curriculum. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and so. Uh, we how how in a high level of course how do you help your clients to see their value i mean because i for people that are listening to us they say yes i mean my my job probably can be you know done by someone else or i'm not so confident that i'm so irre- irreplaceable or so valuable um how can we calculate you know the value <laughs> it's it, yeah. it's what i was talking about earlier um is to realize sometimes people don't realize or think so so deeply about the fact that they've been doing this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. 
also it may be that they're being promoted within um, the organization. So they then then there's little or no um, time that the company needs to spend inducting them, bringing them on board, onboarding them into the organization. Um, we the, 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 there's so there's safe costs there. So where are you saving the where are you saving the company costs? Um, where are you where are you where are you bringing extra value? What other skills do you bring to the job that maybe someone else doesn't? Um, so uniqueness. Uh, for example, you, you talk about different different elements there. So it's important to also bring numbers to how much uh, you know costs were reduced with your you know previous uh, role, or how much you can save to the company, or make them earn more, uh, oh. and bring these examples. Yes. Yeah, so, for example, projects that you've completed or Role, what you've saved the company exactly, what you've saved the company, or what you've made the company, those could be mm -hmm. two elements mm -hmm. um, to talk about if you're being promoted internally, or what you've done previously in your previous work, what you've what you've saved or brought in to the organization, how you brought what, what's what is your value in economic terms, um, mm -hmm. what could be the added value you could bring to the team? How could you up, you know are you would you help upskill the team? Are you bringing on board? skills that would make your team even better yeah that's definitely yeah this is definitely a very interesting area of coaching because it's um, much easier to have someone asking these kind of questions from an outside perspective and make us reflect exactly on our you know career and experience and to acknowledge that yeah i mean i've done all of these things so i def definitely deserve um to to be in this table and to negotiate this in a very good uh, level as well uh, i i see a lot i also work with clients that are in senior positions and they still struggle a little bit to oh i'm going to you know be meet this you know board member or this uh, person and uh, the person is so important and i i feel small when talking to this person um, and and this can be an obstacle if you feel small. So in negotiation, I think one thing that you told me and I still remember is that uh, it's 50-50. So I can have value to the company or to this client and the client also wants me badly <laughs> to work with him. Um, so what are the obstacles that can prevent a successful negotiation? Uh, successful negotiation. Well, it it really depends on what is success. What is success? <laughs> well, this is uh, that's a that's a <laughs> for me do, doing a job that you love and getting paid what you feel is fairly reasonable and and healthy. It's a good outcome. <laughs> that's a good outcome. Working with people you like, you know, then then that that for me is a good outcome. It doesn't mean like reaching some for, for me not necessarily reaching some dizzying height of uh, of. Uh, position um I, what could, what's great success in, in a negotiation i think it's uh, how you speak to the other person and the condition way that you set up the conditions so uh, at, the, at the beginning of a negotiation you don't know the person you don't necessarily like the person you certainly don't trust the person um, unless of course you've got a pre-existing relationship um but then even if you shift the context um, you we might reduce the trust or increase the trust. So establishing, um, creating bonding and rapport, creating um, a good connection with the other person is is paramount to to laying a basis for for good success later on. 
at, at the beginning, people are feeling uncomfortable. They're not quite sure what's going to happen. So they're uncertain. And all of these things undermine the negotiation process um, from being successful or reaching a conclusion. And maybe, actually, though, another thing I should say is the, the, the strongest position you can be in a negotiation before you walk in is you don't need the negotiation to be a success. So you can walk away. You can see. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second, the second best is not today or not now, maybe later. If they really need it and you don't, then being able to just walk away um, and you don't read it, need it right now. That means that you've got, you've got, you can have six, you can be more, you've got more leverage, shall we say. But yeah, if you're working, let's say you're working with a, you've got a prospective client in front of you, you're the, you're selling your services, then being able to say, you know, we, maybe we'll work together, maybe we won't. And I don't need yes. to, even if you want to work with me, I don't have to work with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so has the person who's selling their services also has rights. They don't need to do what they don't want to do. And so keeping that, having that mindset is really important. And then framing, having a, a frame or an idea of what, how the negotiation is going to be conducted. So a pre-negotiation contract, which involves as an oral contract, not a verbal contract, not a, not a written mm-hmm. contract. A written, yeah. How you're going to negotiate and what might happen if you agree, what happens if you don't, permission to ask the right questions, being able to ask deep, maybe potentially difficult questions, um, because then you can have a proper conversation. And then that's where the idea or notion of all the value comes up is in the quality of the questions that you ask the, the prospect or the person you're speaking with. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly, take an interview situation. Then you, where you, the questions that you ask in the in the interview. So you, as the being interviewed, you know, you really prepare carefully what questions you want to ask to find to find out how they are how they feel about you somewhere um, near near the middle or end of the interview. Uh, because can, can you give us one example of a good question and a bad question? How am I doing? You know, so how how am I doing in this interview? Um, is there is there anything that you said that you're that you're worried or concerned or would like some more information about? Um, so then you can uncover hidden fears or worries or unasked, unanswered questions that maybe they're a bit concerned about something or and and maybe it's something that you do but they just haven't asked you about it. It just seems from your CV that it's not there. Um, so you can you can check in. Um, uh, with the with the interview panel and see you know how you how you're doing um that's a very interesting question i never thought about it <laughs> uh, um you know another thing to ask is what's your biggest problem you know in, in terms of this role what's the biggest problem that you'd like to fix uh so that helps you in a number of ways because it helps you understand the issues that they've got and whether you truly can fix it and if you can fix it then you need to say well this is i can do this i can help you with this for example Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those questions that you that you ask are important whether you're the selling your services and this goes for you know large enterprises as well too because it all comes down to the negotiation with um ideally face-to-face um second best is is via video Telephone can work, but um, worst case scenario, don't 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 negotiate via tele uh, via email. Yes, 
So worst is email, then telephone, then video. The best is face-to-face. Why? Because you see the body language. You can you know, read the person better. It's trust again. We, we're, it's trust. We're, we're still animals. Uh, part of our nature is still an animal <laughs> and uh we need we need to you know we need to sense that person feel them see them all around um shake their hand look in their eyes see if because we'll, we'll be able to sense better um then at the moment you know you can only see, you can only see a part of me where we're talking via via um via zoom but we can, we can only see part of me just being able to see the person see how they walk see how they talk all these little things we're making thousands of unconscious decisions at any one moment about the person. And when we first meet the person, then we're already making a decision about whether we, with small decisions about whether we trust them, whether we like them, whether we don't. And mm-hmm. so that, that's a really important um, stage to work through. You know that when I met you, uh, one of the things that I immediately changed was I was conducting a lot of, you know, phone interviews with my clients. You know, they were calling me and asking me some questions and then I will ask some questions and I would, you know, propose uh, by phone and I immediately changed that. So I completely eradicate the the phone calls. I uh, bring people on Zoom and I I like to see them. I like to also for them to 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 know me and to to see me and to, you know, to of course, it's not face to face. Whenever I can, I do it. But since I also work uh, as you with many people from all parts of the world, I, I cannot have face to face meetings. But at least the video brought a lot of more human um, elements to these conversations and the trust factor. Uh, so that's something that I immediately change. Um, so for those who are, you know, having interviews or might have a phone interview, propose uh, to have at least a video, if not in person. But by email is really the worst uh, part. So this I, I immediately changed when I learned from you as well. Um, yeah, so you mentioned so interesting things uh, and uh, the, the the ability to to ask ask questions. Also, when you ask questions, you are more in control of the interview somehow. Right, the one who asks the questions uh, is able to drive a little bit, you know, to to. What is your opinion on that? So having these very good questions prepared beforehand. Yeah, so you need to be able to understand the the clients, the potential clients' problem. What what is their what are their difficulties and challenges? Um, and often when people come with uh, something that's bothering them, and that's why they'll be speaking to you, um, something that's a, a pain or a problem, then they will only really have maybe a surface understanding of what you know the server's understanding of what the problem is and and asking more and more questions can uncover the real problem or more in-depth into more in depth into the problem mm-hmm. and also uncover why it's important for them to fix the problem um because they're not going to buy from you if you're not making it making it clear what the added value that you're bringing what how you're fixing that current pain, that's the strongest one. Um, the strongest need is to fix a, something that's a, a really big issue for them right now. That's the strongest one. And avoid future problems is also good, mm-hmm. um, but not quite as powerful as fixing a, a, a big problem. And often these big problems um, could be having very tangible effects on their life, uh, such as having to work late, Therefore, not being able to see their partner or their children 
and um, having to work weekends, being very, you know, I might have physical effects, not being able to sleep well. Um, and they're, they're sort of, we're very good at hiding from our own pain or problems, dismissing them, saying they're not very important, but mm-hmm. cumulatively they can have a, a very difficult effect. So trying to find out, you need to be able to have a trustful conversation to be able to find out what the real effect is on something. If something is just an intellectual idea, oh, I'd like to do this, then they're not emotionally involved. They don't re- they don't really care. And then they'll start comparing you with other people and then you just start comparing people on price. And yeah. what which which coach is better? A coach who charges um, you know, um, hundred euros an hour or five hundred euros an hour. Well, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know and spoken to them because can they fix your problem is a better question. Can they fix your help you with your pain? And uh, that that conversation that you have with them and establishing mm-hmm. it, I for me, I, I'm listening to do I do I get on with them? Do I feel like I, I'm gonna get on with them? I don't somebody who it just feels like it's not gonna work quite right, then I'll just pass. And I've usually trust I trust my instincts on that now. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it, usually you're having to go through, I'll be working people maybe over 10, 15 sessions, um, and maybe more. Sometimes I work people over years, some long-term clients. Then if you're going on that kind of journey, you want to be able to get on well with them. Um, and mm-hmm. from, you want to be able to get on well with them, be able to have good fun with them as well, not just deal with the, ser- not just deal with the serious stuff. But yeah. It's, it's a, a partnership. partnership, right? And it's what a, I love, what I love from this methodology is that you can use it uh, both for working in a company or working with your clients directly. Because I think in this audience we have a lot of uh, so leaders and uh, entrepreneurs, and so you have a different setup of negotiation. But still, it's uh, it's a partnership, and you can walk away if you don't feel that it's the right match. And also, you have you don't have to convince anyone. It's you have to understand if there's a pain that you can solve and what's the value of solving that pain or avoiding future problems. And also, as you've mentioned, the side effects or in the organization or in the client of not having that problem solved. And that's it's a more much more interesting conversation to have instead of convincing someone. Because I think um, what make people feel a bit awkward about negotiation is that you have to convince the other party that you are the best person for the job, which is wrong <laughs> right or not the best approach at least absolutely if you're put you're pushing you want to attract them in to want to work with you and and to make their own decision about wanting to work with you. you're not trying to think a lot of sales training is very tricksy and manipulative and you're you're trying to um trick the person to work with you and it doesn't work you know i think a lot of yeah quite wise to it and we you know the these um offers right the last forcing people i just spoke to somebody who um who i'm working with now and she said she spoke to somebody who does something similar to me um i I work with people who work at the european union institutions and help them pass assessment centers and Mm -hmm. she and i asked her why didn't she work with this other well-known coach and she said um she was too pushy and she was she um she tried to make me uh, make a decision right there and right then uh, mm-hmm. like it and, and so you're, you're scaring people off mm-hmm. uh, by that approach rather than asking them what would you like to do now so once you once yeah. you've got to work through all this pain and difficulties and talking about 
these challenges that the person faces and build up some element of trust and empathy with the person, then still giving them the choice, you know, yep. what rather than trying to impose and say, you know, here's my packages, which one are you going to choose? And I'm trying to use some neuro linguistic programming or manipulative language to try to. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I <laughs> let me give you one example. Uh, this morning I had a, a mutual interview with a client. Uh, it was quite fun, and uh, I think I think it was a it's a vivid example of what we, we are talking about. So the client uh, wants to do vocal coaching, but he doesn't have exactly such a goal like oh I have this presentation do this you know in this date or I have to do this. He is just you know curious and uh, he wants to you know learn more from how to use his voice. And of course, I was asking questions. Uh, and I asked permission to ask some questions and then I explored a little bit more. And then we got to a point where uh, we, it's like, I would like to do this, but it's more nice to have. It's not, I don't have a, such a huge pain point. And I, in my mind, I was saying, maybe I will dismiss this client <laughs> because I don't work only with curious people. Um, to explore their voice. I, I like to work with people that have clear goals and I help them re reach that goals very fast. And so, but then I ask, in, instead of just dismissing the client, I ask further questions. And then we eat exactly what was the pain point, what was the desire um, also that the client wants. And then I, I start getting excited. Oh yeah, that's maybe it's, that's a good, very good goal. We can work on that. And so he asked me, are you excited to work with me? And I was honest. I say, in the beginning, I was not because I think that we are not so clear about what you want to work on. So I think we might be, you know, just playing around. Uh, so now that you have a goal, now I am excited. And it was so funny, like to see, like we were mutually interviewing um, with each other. And also uh, he said, okay, I took the decision that I would talk to at least three coaches to decide what's, what's the best. And I, I was the first. And said, yeah, totally. Go, go to talk to all the other people. Uh, do you want some recommendations? He was puzzled. Like, do you want to give me recommendations? <laughs> yeah, if you want. I mean, I have other colleagues, uh, colleagues that do, you know, kind of similar things that you can you know, might want to 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 know. And he said, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I don't need. I mean, I'm in a position that, of course, I will love to work with that client, but I'm not trying to convince him that I'm the best person. Um, I actually try to, you know, put in perspective. So do you really want to do this? Or do you want to just to explore your voice? Or do you want to sing in the shower? Because maybe I'm not the right coach for you. So it was very fun. I'm looking forward to see if he decides to stay with me. But I'm okay with both uh, options, if he wants to, to work with me or not. Uh, but it was very uh, honest and conversation. And uh, I think it was like, oh, I feel really good about this. But still, I, I you know, I, I I have to work with the I have to talk with other people and yeah that's fine you can go uh, if if you want some referrals uh, I can give it to you. <laughs> and that to me builds trust. You know, that yeah. we, when we're when we're doing sales conversations and the client is realizes or thinks or maybe they didn't enter and realize it was a sales conversation. Um, when it when it becomes sales, then people become immediately defensive and they're trying to protect themselves, obviously from from people trying to take their money. Um, so giving, doing things like that exactly makes it much more trustful conversation because you're, you're doing the unexpected and you're, you're, you're saying, you know, it's up to you, you know, you've, you've got the power to choose. Um, I can also choose, but I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not feeling, I need to work with you. I have to work with you, please, please, please. 
uh, I need you, I need you more money. <laughs> so um, you, you definitely don't want to be giving those vibes to. No, I I need happy clients. <laughs> And committed clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And excited to work with me. Not I just because of them as they are excited to work with me. Yeah. Um, helping them this through this journey and, and achieving whatever they want to achieve, whether that's passing an interview and getting more um improving their salary. Um, all of that. I want to be I want to be excited about the journey and um, negotiating that as well, negotiating the terms of that is really important like how you're going to work together and even afterwards i think it's really important so that you get you can deliver real value for them and they don't you know it's salary negotiation particularly i'm just thinking about um, a case can be particularly challenging uh, be, because people come up against all their money beliefs and um mm-hmm. there and, and not wanting to make a fuss not wanting to have an awkward conversation and and then they end up accepting what they're offered without challenging it or without asking for for a little bit more. Even sometimes, even by just asking the question, they'll get more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with somebody, I uh, I said just ask the question, and um, they immediately gave them ten thousand pounds more um, without without no negotiation. Right. It's been a while mm-hmm. since uh, I've had a. It's been a while since I've had a salary increase. And okay, here here's ten. <laughs> just ask the question uh you you mentioned uh, uh one thing that i don't know if everyone is aware about the definition which is money concept can mm. you explain what is a money concept your money concept is your unconscious beliefs conscious and unconscious beliefs but mostly unconscious beliefs at least at the beginning or around money so uh, and value and your and your self-worth so money ties into your self-worth um so what yeah what's your belief around money you know how are you educated and um what was your familial upbringing like you know when you were your your parents or your parent the parental figures your guardians whoever was looking after you what what messages did they give you around money your culture as well you know what how does your culture treat money america um for what whatever you think about america they've got a positive money concept um that money that you can build or generate more money money is a good thing having more money is a good thing whereas uh, in some other countries it might be like you're jealous of people who've got um you're just nasty or, or think people who've got more money are bad um bad wrong or evil and uh so it, one of the exercises that i do sometimes with groups is to read out um or get them to repeat how much money they they earning they're earning per year so i might say i i earn twenty uh, thousand euros per year and then double it i earn forty thousand euros per year and then double it i earn eighty thousand euros and, and keep doubling it until they get to the point where they feel uncomfortable where where do they notice a bodily reaction and that's where you trigger your unconscious belief right i could never or I, I shouldn't earn that type of that amount of money, whether that's you know a hundred thousand pounds or hundred twenty thousand pounds or two hundred thousand or a million pounds. I couldn't earn that much money. It would start to feel uncomfortable. Um, one person I worked with uh, said that he was an entrepreneur, and he said that he didn't get triggered. In fact, each time it went up, it was better for him because he thought, "How many? How many people can I help?" You know, each time it goes up, I can help more people. 
Um, so that was that was interesting. Now that was that's a rarity. That's a, a real rarity. It's rare. Yeah. Actually, uh, I remember you doing this exercise uh, in a group where I was. So we, I have the privilege to work with you uh, in that online program. And then um, you uh, did this course in Porto where I participate. Um, two days training, I think, around negotiation. It's an, and it was really amazing and insightful. And one of the exercises I think you, you asked us was to think what's enough is enough or how much would you feel comfortable earning per month? And I did this mental exercise. It was a few years ago. I, I don't remember exactly, definitely maybe 2019 or something. And how much I changed, you know, the money concept that I had back then that I have now and what is, you know, what, what feels right for you. And exactly when you put in perspective, if you are doing more, then you are helping more, you are impacting more people, you are. And so uh, definitely I sense in my body when, what, what was my limit back then? I was like, why is this my limit? Why, how did I form this uh, idea that this is the limit that I can, you know, have? And uh, also how many people I can help with this? It's limited comparing to what could be. And so that's a very interesting and strong ex exercise to do, you know, to, to, to also look back. And I also, after working with you, I realized, um, you know, for my parents, how was the money concept? And uh, fortunately, I have good examples. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur. I was like, I can make all the money that I want, like very abundant uh, mindset about, yes, I can lose, but I can also earn. I can make more. I can work more or less. So I have this also idea. And I have the conservative side of, of my mother that was, um, you know, a teacher, works for the, the state. And so a safe salary, safe uh, everything. I will earn this and nothing more. And so I have these both worlds inside me. And it was super interesting to look inside and see where are my money concepts coming from. Um, and so it's a very uh, genetic, uh, almost learned thing that we can um, have. But of course, it's a learned concept. And we can maybe break out uh, from these uh, limiting beliefs and build new money concepts, which are more healthy uh, and helpful for us, right? It's also what you help people to reframe their money concepts and to have a more empowering idea about uh, money. Yes, I use some um, personality profiling as well, psychometric profiling, um, to talk about what your money concepts are and to try to discover what your money concepts are so that people will then understand these are these are their habits and what what if you have too much or too little of this um so th there's lots of four quadrant models um i like to talk about fire air earth and water because in in most languages european languages at least we have these concepts of you know fire a fiery person um so we can look at what happens if you have a, an imbalance uh, too much or too little in those um, in those areas and what are the habits that you can change so becoming becoming conscious of what your your money your early money messages were then becoming conscious of what are some of the scopes that the, the areas in which you might need to change your behavior that can be just a useful point to have that kind of model to then realize oh you know I'm, I, I tend to spend a lot I don't save enough or I save too much and I don't invest enough um, for example and trying to find a little bit more balance in, in how you approach money uh, and change and start changing your habits consciously. So then you mm -hmm. start to then create a new consciousness around around money. 
and how you treat it. Because when you have conscious about your unconscious habits, then you have more choice and you have more freedom and you can do whatever feels right for you and is strategic for you. Uh, it's more on the avoiding uh, spending so much or saving more or saving less, investing as well. I think also around investing is uh, this mindset. I, I, I'm spending money or I'm investing money. For example, in a coaching program, if the client, if uh, he or she hires you and if the person can make more 10K <laughs> after you know working with you just because you, you mentioned that, okay, you should ask this question. Is it a cost or in, an investment? And of course, I see it as an, as an investment, you know, investment in, in new skills and new, new abilities. Um, that's also what I love to work with clients that I know that the return they will have from working with me, it's at least 10, 10 times more than what they are investing in the long term. So uh, it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> and that's a conversation. That's the only really sometimes I think can that, that value can emerge from a conversation that you have with them. Um, and being speaking to them because it may not be obvious that oh you you help people to improve their performances uh, at work uh, with their voice but it might not be so obvious the link but you know what's the value that you're bringing to them yes and also if they see I think also it was something that um, I I learned is that it's a it's a long term investment when you do something for yourself. And for example, in, in my case, working on your communication and voice skills, it's not only that three, four months we will work together or six months. It's all about all the presentations you are going to have in your life until you retire. It's all about the meetings, all interviews, all uh, media appearances that you are going to have where you have a better performance. And the ripple effect of that, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a high value. It's not only the cost of a program. It's everything that you are going to have in return when uh using uh your communication in a more confidently uh assertive with you know with uh, all these um new things or credibility especially uh when you are expressing yourself yeah so if you're an entrepreneur you will be able to work with more people or different types of people and if you're an employee then you are working leading leading teams then you'll be able to lead different bigger teams more diverse teams uh you'll be able to communicate that value i usually say it doesn't matter how clever you are doesn't matter how hard working you are doesn't matter how many qualifications you've got it's all about you being your ability to communicate what's in your head your to outside so communicating your value whether that's through um, presentations whether that's through or negotiations um, writing all the different communication skills doesn't matter if it's just inside you've got to get it out and communicate it in the right way and that brings value to the to the organization that you're working and the world and the world around you so any final thoughts on uh to keep in mind how we can communicate our value in a in a in a daily basis any final thoughts any final advice you would like to give us i think uh, asking you know when you when you meet people asking them about them and not making it about you um and in, in entering into that conversation with that spirit of curiosity and empathy uh and finding out more more about each other so not just making it about you sometimes we can be very focused on ourselves so yeah entering into this conversation then you can find then you can find out is there something that you can help them with perhaps 
Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean need to have a monetary value attached to it. It could just be that you you're helping them find something that they that they need. But um, asking asking those those types of questions and and getting deeper into conversation with people. That's an amazing and wise tip to finish our conversation. Neil, where can people find your work? I think the best place at the moment is LinkedIn because my website neilurkert.com is uh, is under construction. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's had a little WordPress problems, but um, best place to find me, I think, is LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, send me a message, and uh, you know, we can we can arrange to have a chat, see if it makes sense to work together or not, or not is totally or not or or not is totally fine. <laughs> but I I strongly recommend uh, if someone um, feels this conversation resonates somehow, and you know, if you need to work professionally in this money concept and prepare for what the next year will bring. Because many people are really changing jobs and uh, finding new opportunities or just go by themselves. Um, it's important to have a good preparation to make the best out of it. Neil, thank you so much for your time, for your insights. It was lovely to have this conversation with you. Always a pleasure to speak to you, Inish. Thank you for listening. Now I challenge you to implement right away one tip or strategy coming from this episode. If you want to know more about how to voice your value and prepare to challenges ahead, feel free to reach out and book a 30 minutes free call to discuss your goals with me. I would love to hear from you. And finally, always remember, your voice matters.